0: Now, the man himself, Martin McGarvey, will be giving the next message entitled Lessons Lessons from Paul. I always like to say, thank you, son. (laughs) Um, By the way, before I, I get started here, I noticed this on the floor. If somebody's lost a ring, it looks like, um, I'm not sure if it's gold or white gold or silver, but if somebody would, Doyle or somebody would like to come pick it up, but maybe go and look around. If somebody's lost a ring, I guess I'll put it up here for now then. Okay, it could be from months ago, who knows, you know. Okay, so I wanted to do a message just to keep in the theme of the Bible study today. Um, and some of what I, I say may be mentioned later in later lessons in um, the next few weeks. So I want to talk today about the Apostle Paul um, and the lessons we can, we can learn from him in about 20 minutes, uh, briefly. Uh, how important he is for our understanding of the Bible today, and how he demonstrated both by what he wrote and what he did, how to be a better Christian. So because of uh, with the inauguration uh, coming up uh, of the new president that's coming Wednesday, how hard is it going to be for us to focus uh, on Christ and leading a Christian life over the next four years? Now, I hope it's not going to be hard. Um, that's what my heart says, but my head says... Going to be tough. I hope I'm wrong. Some of the things I hear the new incoming president saying, or those in his cabinet, uh, frankly, what I've heard the last couple of years are anti God, anti family, and I don't want to get all political, um, but we need to be aware and watching of these times. Keep up with what's going on in the world. Uh, Be watching the news and and looking on world events. Because what's happened in the last year, as, as Ken mentioned in his message, it's changed our lives in a lot of ways. So if God decides to speed things up and let prophecy begin, the end time events, then the last year shows us how quickly the world can change in a matter of months the entire world changed in two or three months when the COVID-19 hit. And uh, if he wanted to do something similar, it, it shows us how it can be done. So, and then, you know, you look at the Apostle Paul and his time he was living in, the world, or their world at their time, was, was run by the Romans. And although we don't personally get persecuted as badly here in the United States as they do in the likes of, Islamic countries or Pakistan or or, or China, for example, um, what Paul experienced in his world, we experience a lot of today, persecution, being sometimes a minority in the world and and those around you. And uh, he was shipwrecked at least three times, maybe more. He was beaten up at least three times. He was even stoned one time by people who wanted to kill him. But he kept going until the bitter end. From his dramatic conversion <clears throat> to his death at the hands of the Romans, he led a very eventful life, a life which is a great example for us. So I'm going to go to my first scripture here just to just to give a backdrop of what happened with Paul. Let's go to that conversion real, real briefly and look at that. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, and uh, verses 1 through 6, should be up on the... Screen here for you in a second. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Got that, Brian? I have to go back a few verses. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. So, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him in the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, as they called it at the time, those Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as I've mentioned in one of my messages before, um, the letters of documents Saul was bringing were from the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem. Um, and he had those with him when he was on his person on the way up to Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them back to before the Sanhedrin and so on. Um, So verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Soul, soul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Jesus came to Paul dramatically in that conversion. As Saul, as he was known here, was a persecutor of the early church. He traveled all over the area to arrest Christians, and sometimes they were killed, as in the case of Stephen, who was stoned to death, and Saul was right there. And that's when we kind of get introduced to Saul, because he was the one picking up people's cloaks and coats after the, the killing of Stephen. But this is the part of the beauty of God's work. He can call anyone at any time. Paul was a zealous, driven man. But God decided this was a man he could use to do his work here or there at that time. But he, Christ, would have to reveal himself one-on-one, as it were, with Saul by speaking to him directly. Maybe that was the best way to get through to the man. And And of course, God blinded him there and then The next three days, and his sight returned a few days later with uh, Ananias in Damascus. Of course, God could see Saul's heart, but he knew there was a way in. And Paul tells us about that a few years later, and that's my second scripture. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 16, and look at that real briefly. Book of Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 16. Verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. God graciously opened the door to Paul and revealed revealed the wonders of the Gospels the meaning of Christ's life and what it means to us, and I've got a quote here. When I was going over uh, preparing this message, quote: By God's grace, someone who was bitterly against Christians has left us with a practical guide to Christian living. End quote, and that was from uh, Talitha Coom, from the uh, Poise and Candor WordPress.com. From the time he was called until his death. He left the the legacy of his works, and there is plenty of it. I've got another quote here. Quote Unlike the Gospels and Acts, the Pauline epistles as are known, hardly contain any narrative. These are primarily correspondence. Paul sends greetings, instructions, encouragement, and background information. Because of this, the epistles contain the majority of Christians' theology. This is where the story of Jesus is described in the Gospels, is explained in greater detail. It's also where we learn how Christians should live in response to Christ's life, death, and resurrection. End quote. And when I read that, that was a quick guide to the Pauline epistles from the Overview Bible online. And when you think about it, it really is, isn't it? His Paul's writings, it is the theology of what we know today of, of Christ and Christian living. It's so simple, but it's, it's true. What he wrote, it goes into so much depth. More than half of the books of the New Testament are attributed to Paul. 13, I believe, out of 27. And, of course, there's a lot of thoughts on the book of Hebrews. May not may not have been him written by him or one of his people that worked with him, but I think, I think it probably was. I think most of us can agree on that. Um, but he was prolific. There is, there is so much we can learn from all of his epistles, every single one of them. The richness of his words, his uh, explanations on how to be a better Christian, his encouraging words for all those he was in correspondence with, and God made sure it was in the Bible for us to read now, today, and we're better for it. So let's go over to the book of Ephesians itself, and uh, the very last chapter in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 19 and 20, and like I said earlier, we will go over this in the, uh, the book that we're looking at right now with uh, N.T. Wright, and I haven't gone forward and looked at it and see what he writes about this. This is just what I'm going to, I'm going to talk about here briefly. <clears throat> let's, let's read verses 19 and 20 of chapter 6 real quick. Uh, Verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He was asking those in Ephesus to pray for him that he may speak boldly. Here he was, a prisoner in Rome. In chains, but he wanted to continue to preach the gospel with all his might because he wanted to be a great ambassador for Christ. You know what he was? All the works that he left us, so much wisdom and understanding. And I'm just briefly touching the surface today. You know that, okay? There's multiple works, chronicles, books, theology written on Paul and his works. And some of his work is really deep. I don't know if you know that, but some of it gets really deep and it's really complicated and hard to understand. Um, But like nobody else in the New Testament in that regard either. But he's an example for us. We need to speak boldly too. Not be ashamed of who we are in these times. We're Christians and we're proud of it, you know. We have a right to say what we believe in this country. Thank God we do have the First Amendment, you know, in that regard. <clears throat> and we also have a, a right to peaceably assemble. And like I mentioned earlier in the Bible study, we own this building. Thank God thank God, we do. You know, um, we can assemble every Sabbath, every holy day. We even held the Feast Tabernacles last year. And I, I thank God all the time that we do own this building that regard because for example you look at united church of god they uh they assembled for i want to say 15 years at least at riverfield day school and when COVID hit all the schools shut down and there went united's uh hall right there the gymnasium they used to meet and uh they are now working through other routes to get uh, other buildings but that really put a halt on on proceedings for them so that's just a small example, but you know what I mean. We, we own this building and we have a, a right to peacefully assemble here. Thank God we do. So, but I remember growing up as a kid um, over in England and uh, listening to sermonettes and sermons at church. I, I grew up in the worldwide Church of God. And of course, Paul was mentioned a lot in those messages. But I remember this one Sabbath service. And this, now, this is going back, this, this ages me a bit, but back in the 80s. Uh, I was uh, 11 or 12, maybe 13, and a uh, nice sunny day, which is a rare thing in England, right, um, in the town of St. Albans, Hertfordshire, England, and um, the guy who was speaking that day was Paul Suckling. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His, his brother, Arthur Suckling, lived here in the United States for 30, 40 years, but Paul Suckling was given the sermon that day, and it was a good message. He was a good speaker. Um... And he went to a scripture and briefly talked about Paul and one of his letters. I remember this this is the day, 30 odd years ago. And, but it happened a lot and he read from one of his letters and then he said something about the scripture and most, most of it was a little complex for my young mind, it went over my head. But I remember it to this day, the book of Paul, not the book of Paul, one of the books, one of the letters written by Paul. And it just sticks in my mind of this nice sunny day back in, in St. Albans. Because so, that, that particular, that was at the school as well, funnily enough, that like we were used to meet. Um, but this massive big, big uh, gymnasium hall and the, there would be an average of like 100, 150 people there. But allow, uh, down the one side of the room, the entire length of the 80 foot, was these massive big glass windows. So the natural light streaming in through there was beautiful. It was lovely, especially in the, in the summer. But um, even... In the winter, you still had that light coming through, and it was great. So, I remember that that uh, St. Albans Church, they used to meet in the afternoons. And uh, I wish we went there because our church that we went to regularly met at 10 a.m. And <laughs> me being a kid, I, I wanted that line on the, on the Sabbath. But um, anyway, let's go to another scripture here and talk more briefly a couple more scriptures here just to look over real quick before we wrap up here. This is in the book of Philippians. And uh, we're going to go to chapter 2, verses uh, 3 and 4. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowly- lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And this is another common theme that, that Paul talks about in a lot of his messages. That's what we we do here at this church. I like to think we look out for one another. We pray for each other. We just had the prayer announcements here a few minutes ago. We fellowship. We do Bible studies, both the Bible studies that we're starting now, but we also do the Bible studies every every second Tuesday, like it's up in the backboard the back board bed there. Um, but we are the body of Christ here. And We are to have the mind of Christ, not only, you know, be gathered physically together here, but spiritually tuned together through the Holy Spirit. And on that theme, let's go over to the book of Thessalonians, first Thessalonians chapter two, and look at verses uh, seventeen through twenty, keeping all on the the theme here and the themes of what Paul's writing. First Thessalonians chapter two, verses seventeen through twenty. Verse 17, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy." Of course, uh, Paul was writing to the Christians in Thessalonica here, but he shows us how he loved them and hated being separated from them. Like he was. He was always looking forward to seeing them again. And not only Thessalonians, but all the others, and the other, uh, Ephesians and those in Corinth and, and the other ones, but, and, and to Timothy and so on. But, you know, it, it gives us an example that, although we can't always be here, and see each other every week and for services we can be thinking about our brothers and sisters for those of us who can't be here every week making the most of it when we are together and I've just got one final scripture here And this is 2nd uh, Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 there we go Okay, so, I have fought the good fight. I have finished a race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And I'm going to read a little quote here from my study Bible on on verse 7. Quote, Paul had been vigilant in his service to God, Note that Paul did not make these comments until the end of his race, until he's about to die. He did not presume or rely on his past service. Instead, he persevered, struggled, and served God until the end. So, there are many, many lessons we can learn from the life and times of Paul. He had perseverance. He was patient. He truly loved all those he had correspondence with. Although he's beaten down physically through extreme trials, he kept going and encouraged others. He showed us how to be an ambassador to Christ, how to better attain the character of Christ, and how to be just better people. And we're made in God's image, aren't we? And we're blessed with the Holy Spirit. So let's try and imitate Christ in our actions and how we live our life. Paul was by no means perfect but we can learn a tremendous amount from him.